1: Welcome to State of the Empire, Nerdy Show's Star Wars speculation podcast where we look for news in Alderaan places. Hi, I'm Cap. Hey, I'm Doug. Hey, I'm Matt. And wow, it's, uh, it's been a while. It's always a while. It's always a while, but uh, you know, we're, we're talking about making State of the Empire a more regular series. If that's something you'd be interested in, let us know on the forums, because we got a lot of crap to talk about right yeah. now.
2: I'll tell you already, I'm interested in making it more regular. <laughs> I'm always ready to talk about Star Wars.
1: We like being regular, Doug. <laughs> The, uh, the big news for this episode is Star Wars Rebels. If you're listening to this episode, on the day it comes out, this is also the day that Star Wars Rebels becomes a uh, regular weekly show on television. So uh, what we've seen so far is we've seen the TV film, Spark of the Rebellion, mm-hmm. and, uh, we, and then we got a preview, a free HD preview on iTunes, maybe you saw it too, dear listeners, uh, of the first episode, Droids in Distress, and that comes out Today, October thirteenth, and it's going to be on Mondays at this time. You know, throughout the season, maybe there'll be a mid-season break, but this is it. And uh, what we're going to do is we're going we're to talk about Rebels. We're going to talk about our thoughts on Rebels, and um, then we're going to talk about Episode Seven news. Willow, watch all the other stuff that uh, you want to hear about *State of the Empire*, including some very uh, sad yet intriguing comic news. Um, so, first up, what is Rebels? Well, um, Star Wars Rebels is the first uh, official TV film thing in new official Star Wars canon. It's an animated series from the guys who brought you Clone Wars, as well as Simon Kinsberg and Greg Weissman, the guy who created Gargoyles and co-created Young Justice. So it's a good stock. It's a show that we've been both apprehensive and also very excited for. Intrigued to see where it would go, how much of a children's show it would be, what it would really contribute to the series, was it going to feel forced, etc., etc. So what we're going to give you here is a very uh, candid look at our reactions uh, uh, to the first, effectively, two episodes of the show, the film and the first episode. Um, So what I should tell you is that you don't be worried about spoilers. We're not really going to be dropping what you'd call spoilers here. We're going to be talking very candidly definitely you're going to want to check out those shows they're available online of course we'll link to where you can pick them up on this episode's page um so uh i, I got some strong feelings and i guess what i i'll start by saying is i really enjoyed it i enjoyed the premiere and i liked the, the second episode even more how about you guys
3: I, I I think they've nailed it. I the I mean I actually had tears in my eyes like for the for the second half of Spark of Rebellion because it's just I'm, I really I don't even think it, it's that it's the Star Wars feel that they're I mean they are definitely nailing that but it's just good quality animated television. I mean it you know that that seems to come and go, and I think right now like it, it, they're really you know firing on all cylinders, at least for the first, you know, 90 minutes of the show.
2: All right, I'll be the grump. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, I liked it. I did not, for real though, it was, I, I did like it. Um, I, uh, well, when I caught Spark of Rebellion, it, the first real half of it didn't, it, it wasn't quite winning me over. Like, I, it was, it was, it was serviceable, it was fine, but I wasn't like a fan. I wasn't like watching it on the edge of my seat. I, I felt like the tone was all right. I felt maybe uh, that I wasn't the target audience for it. Like, I thought maybe I was just too old if they were maybe aiming for a younger audience. It is on Disney XD, after all. Um, but at, by the end of the first uh, thing with Spark of Rebellion, I'm like, okay, this, this could be going into some good places. It's, you, know, you, you really shouldn't judge it by the first episode. I mean, even the first episode of Next Gen is kind of weird and not, not really telling of how the whole series goes. Um, but I felt with the uh, second episode, the Droids in Distress... That was maybe because it was a shorter running time because it was like a episode sized, not like movie sized. It felt tighter. It really, the story moved much faster. I don't know. It, it, there, were, there were less asides to the audience. Like, uh, is Ezra the main character? Yeah. Yeah. There was yeah. less of him talking to himself, like as you would on a kid show. Like, boy, what a mess I've gotten myself into this time. Like, there really wasn't <laughs> any of that. Um, and that really made me sort of wince when I was watching the first one, like that every character had a moment like that in the first episode, whereas in the second, it was just so much more straightforward, so much more straight-faced, and uh, uh, I don't know, I really dug it. I was surprised that by the end of the second one, it had it, won me over, and I will be definitely checking out uh, following episodes of this just to see where it goes.
3: I, I do agree that the uh, Droids in Distress was a lot, um, a lot more efficient and better written i mean that that was the first greg weissman penned episode
2: well that Um, might explain it
3: (laughs) yeah simon kinberg wrote the uh you know spark rebellion and and while he's got some good you know some good and some bad movie cred like you know tv i don't think he's too familiar with but greg weissman definitely knows how to do a 22 minute
2: i don't want to talk bad about simon kinberg because I, I, i he's written some awesome stuff it just seems to me that it was sort of like a homework assignment Like, it was just very, like, (laughs) you know, it's just like, oh, the beginning, oh, well, you know, because he didn't create the show, it's just like, oh, hey, we want to get you to help start this, you know, start the show, and you're a good writer, so he's like, all right, well, you know, you're you're sort of painting him into a corner here of, like, what he's allowed to do, so it's just like, all right, well, then this happens, then this happens, and this happens, and then it's over. I also felt, maybe I'm wrong, but I felt like the direction of the first episode, like, like, the the director job, like, the choosing the camera placement and stuff, it was more CG-ish than in droids in distress like droids in distress felt a little bit more traditional there was less camera movement that felt like that could only be done in the cg environment you know like it called less attention to itself if that makes any sense interesting i'm i'm being very critical but i'm i'm a star wars nerd and i'm, I'm, I'm i don't know what you expect from me like <laughs> i don't know what you expect from state yeah, of the empire yeah i don't know what you expect from State of the empire but I, but uh not that not that the first one was bad it was just it felt too clone Warsy to me like and that was like something that turned me off about the first clone wars uh series it was just too cg ish and too i don't know it didn't feel grounded enough in reality and the character design was kind of over over cartoony for my liking uh but i heard you know that by, by the end of clone wars it got better but whatever um but watching rebels again as it started i'm like i don't know a little cartoony everyone's a little oversaturated every Everyone's hair looks like laffy taffy. You know, it's kind of looks like an action figure, ready for you to grab off the screen <laughs> like a cartoon for kids. I, I, I was
1: showing it to um, to Brandon and Denica, two other nerdy show hosts, and uh, their first comment was, "No one has any butt. They all have flat butts." Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> I, I, you know, it's but like like very action figure-y designs. You know, um, but you know, uh, by the, like I said, by the end, you know, by the end of the second episode, the writing was enough where I'm like, you know, I didn't even care about it anymore. It was just, I was just genuinely wanting it, to see what they do next it's a
1: good starting place for the cgi yeah, like yeah. It, it's a way better starting place than clone wars had because that was rough yeah
2: yeah yeah i mean well even you know with like uh uh being on the imperial ships and stuff they were very bland very empty corridor but i get it it's the start of a show i'm not, i'm i am i i do not want to sound like i'm judging it too harshly the one complaint i do have um which was just too silly and i i can't i still can't get over it is a uh, agent callus yeah i'm like come on man agent callus like darth killing you guy admiral bone to pick it all goes back to that <laughs> you know it's a
1: it's a definitely a lucas name maybe he maybe it was a hand-me-down from uncle george maybe I don't
2: know. Uh, the character was fine i got the character I, yeah like, you he's know, great Actually, yeah
1: he's got I, he's got the josh laforge I, mutton chops going on i, I how how I, I, I this still my, my favorite part of anything they've, they've had so far is where he got knocked off that bridge at the end of the uh the first episode uh-huh. and the stormtrooper's like first time you've encountered a jedi sir <laughs> and he kicks him in the face <laughs> and
2: kills him yeah like now for me i i'm like are the kids are are, are the kids supposed to laugh at
1: that <laughs> or or am i supposed to go he just murdered that guy <laughs> like i don't know how i was supposed to react that, that was an adult humor joke Doug it's I think that's that's a joke for people who understand the consequences of what just happened there I I guess but it was just like I I mean that that was fine and all but uh there's there's we should we've been talking um Brandon and I have been talking about starting a rebels body count because it's real yeah man people some people get some wipeouts yeah People you, getting wiped out. You don't. You know. You're not going to see a charred stormtrooper. Maybe, maybe you'll see a hand fly off here and there, as per Star Wars usual. But I mean, I've seen de- I, there's dead stormtroopers. But yeah, I mean, like there's there's explosions when yeah. people get caught in, and they don't come out the other side. Yeah. Of, you know? I mean,
2: I, I I was surprised when in the in the second episode you get to see like uh uh Kaden just. Just mowing down troopers with his pistol, like not like a million of them, but like there are definite ones where he he pops out behind a thing, he fires, and a trooper is dead. Like they're not moving afterwards; they fall down and they're done. Whereas there's a lot of punching. Who's the who's the big purple
3: guy? Uh,
2: Zeb. I keep wanting to say Zayed, but that's that's Mass Effect. (laughs) Zeb, uh, like you know, in in uh, Droids in Distress, he takes on uh, like a a bunch of troopers uh, hand to hand. Um, And I get because he's like the big strong guy. You got to show what he's capable of. All that all that good stuff. It, It was fine. It was just like. I'm like, "Oh boy, here we go. Is 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 this what the rest of the series is going to be like? You know, Zeb is punching stormtroopers with with they're wearing helmets and he doesn't hurt his hand. And I mean, he's a big guy, so maybe it doesn't bother him, but whatever. And then it's just, "Oh, I just knocked out a bunch of stormtroopers. Let's go before they wake up." But no, man, people die. So that that was uh interesting to see. It's pretty gutsy.
3: And towards the end of Clone Wars, I mean, there was definitely a high trooper count, but it was usually by you know, it was the bad guys killing clone troopers. Right. And, you know, you can get away with that a little more when you're like, they're bad guys. But these are our heroes, and they don't waste... I mean, the first time uh, Kanan shows up, he just fires a blaster bolt, like, just straight into a trooper and kills him. I mean, he's dead. And that, that's what shocked me in that first episode. I mean, he didn't waste any time killing somebody.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: I, I'm I glad mean, within 15 seconds of his introduction.
1: <laughs> I'm glad to see that Disney is... Uh... I, I kind of poking fun at themselves for how aladdin ezra is i mean he
3: is yeah, it was so almost, aladdin yeah in the first episode
2: yes. i'm like are you freaking kidding me with this come
3: on man like, I, I i started singing aladdin based on like that yeah we're one like, jump ahead of the right day yep. you
2: know like it was it was him it was it was like agrabah this this city was agrabah for all it was mm-hmm. agrabah in, in in the future for all intents and purposes, and, and,
1: and there was a moment where he does this. Ezra does this little like uh like gesture in a doorway salute, and like, or, yeah, a salute. Yeah. And I swear it's one of those like traditional winking at the audience Disney swipe file things they do. Could be, yeah. and mm-hmm. and you know that's okay because spoiler alert: fucking Star Tours is canon as of the like, Droids in Distress, and it's great. Yeah. I'm like I'm happy about that. Yeah, no, know?
2: yeah, I love that. I, I I was more excited about that being canon than Ponda Baba. Sort of like. <laughs> The, this, this official, I mean, what's, what, so I don't understand, he was a senator, or is it Ponda Baba? Like, they, that, they, that, they, that was not Ponda Baba. What did, what did he, she called him that, though.
1: No, she, no, no, no. Senator, she called him Senator, um. She didn't call him Senator Pondababa. he was, he had, he had an aqualish name that was, you know, phonetically similar, but it was different.
2: Oh, then it fooled me because I thought it was like the same name. It sounded, uh, my ears tricked me. No, no, I
1: thought, I thought first I thought you were referencing Matt's uh, Ponda Baba conundrum.
2: No, that's what I was. I was trying to do a double header there with the two thing. But, but like, I thought quite literally it was that guy. And I thought, so wait a minute, does he fall like on hard times in the next five years and like turn to a life of crime or some shit? Like wanted on 12 systems by the Empire? Because, like, he seemed, I don't know, but, like, clearly it's the same yeah. species. They all look the same to me, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it's a different Wow. Are, 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 you, are
3: you trying to say you're a xenophobe?
2: I'm just saying, I've never, off I'm just saying, I've I met two in my time, and uh, they all look the same, and they sound the same. <laughs> and they have similar sounding names. So, what do you want?
1: <laughs> and, and, uh, I think for both Doug and I, the introduction of 3PO and R2 in the second episode, at first you're like, oh my god, why is this, like, this can't possibly be...
2: Yeah, like, how are you gonna, how are you gonna explain this away? Like, why, are they gonna stick around? Is this gonna be like, I don't know, are they gonna bump into Han at some point? You know, like, what's what's the deal here? I mean,
1: and, and maybe they will, but with C3, 3PO and R2, they nailed it.
2: Yeah, by what? the way, like, like, the whole episode, I'm like, man, there better be an explanation. They just show up like this, and then... Well, what do you know? <laughs>
3: like there's <laughs> an explanation and it, and it suited me just fine and I'm a, I'm a tough audience. So, yeah, it and, was good. And, and in a strange way, lends credence to the uh fan theory that R2 was a, you know, No, no, no that's a bunch of crap. That's like <laughs> that no. No, that's, no, no. Well, the, the funny thing about it is that like Dave Filoni, you know, showrunner for Rebels, has talked about that fan theory at the most recent Star Wars celebration, like he said, I'll, he's like, I'll, I'll agree you
2: know, that R two is important in the creation of the the Rebel Alliance, but he mm-hmm. is by no means a mastermind. Like he's this little this little tin can, you know. He, he fixes he fixes ships that are broken. He's an astromech droid. Three is the that, one about human communication. Actually,
3: I mean, it, Lucas has talked about how he is the ultimate hero of the trilogy because he never has a dark thought. He is as pure good as the Emperor is pure evil, which is why his favorite shot from never Renda has Sip a dark funny. thought no never <laughs>
1: hey,
2: what he's he always... sets those droids on fire and, he, and he's, <laughs> uh, he's shocking uh you know he was, he's, getting, he's getting in a fight with yoda over he's a the scamp like mickey mouse no mickey mouse ain't setting anyone on fire sir he, well, he, i bet he used well, the amusing, to the,
3: the amusing thing about the yoda stuff is as of the prequels he is aware of who Mo- yoda is so he has a bone, maybe he has a bone to pick with Yoda because he ran on the whole thing. You're re- nah, you're reaching
2: this whole, like most conspiracy <laughs> theories, this is just reaching for, well, you know, maybe Yoda made him mad one time and that's why he smacks him. And he's like, no, no. And with the salacious crumb and he zaps him, he's got no problem zapping people, I'm just saying.
3: <laughs> well, well, on that whole full light versus full dark, that's why the best, the best shot in Revenge of the Sith is when it's, uh, when the ship is crashing in the beginning of the movie, like the big uh, separatist cruiser, and it's just Palpatine and R2 in the shot, and they both look at each other, that's that's the best shot in Men the Sith*. Because if you go by the th- you know George, continuing with is that R2 is the most pure hero in the series. That's your like good and bad like spectrum shot there. I always like that one.
2: Oh, one's one's alive <laughs> and one's a robot. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> That's weird. Is what I, what I is George trying to that. say?
3: His his robotic Jedi are uh, with no feelings in the prequels are are completely good. Could could
2: make sense that the, the most evil uh, force wielder. I don't trust that droid because I can't sense it at all. Oh, like you can't sense it on any <laughs> level because it's not living.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But uh, back to Rebels um, and not crazy conspiracy theories. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> uh, I mean, all in all, uh, great show, good rounded cast, dude. I I expected to hate uh the mandalorian because she's she's so she's such an archetype of like people like i don't know creating a character that force feeds an idea like we'll take something people love like a mandalorian and we'll take a cool tough girl but we'll put her in pink armor yeah and and all like this whole clusterfuck of shit i didn't want to see i actually like her like i'm actually 100 percent okay with her now she didn't say much but you know like it was uh like a good mandalorian doesn't yeah
3: yeah (laughs) As far as the way Rebels and Clone Wars, well, mostly Clone Wars has revised Mandalorians per George Lucas's ideas, like, she's a good version of that. Um, And even her little gimmick that she was, I I don't know if, if anybody recalls from a previous day, the Empire mentioned that Disney had introduced her at an event as lethal artist, (laughs) <laughs> and yeah. actually, that terminology worked pretty well in, in uh, Sparker of Rebellion. I mean, it actually like she, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but she's actually got some cool tricks up her sleeve. It was very cool.
1: Something that something that is in question is when she when she does the uh, when, well, I, I, for the sake of spoiling what you just carefully hid, Matt, uh, she, <laughs> she spray paints uh, emblems in um, uh, some kind of explosive gel. Like that's what, that's her, her, her actual like spray paint is an incendiary gel. And, um, it, the, the one, the one question is how the hell does she detonate it? There's no, she doesn't stick anything in it. it they don't really have nanomachines, but, uh, that's, right. but other than that, it's cool. So, uh, yeah. I mean, like I, uh, I tolerated it <laughs> as opposed to, I was like, why are you wasting time
2: making art when we're running for our lives, man? But you know, whatever it, it works. Get
1: a little, a little something extra. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, all, all in all, like i think i think they did a great job like it's 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 seemed like it had it had a decent start and it just kept getting better so
2: i mean and and right around the time when i'm just like hera is piloting that thing or the other thing is hera like as the name it's like general or not general uh, agent callus
1: as the bad guy mm -hmm. and hera why is that why is that weird it's greek yeah sure but i mean just luke is is christian
2: why I guess, but it's like for, I don't know Hera. It's like you couldn't have turned uh, added one or two more letters and just make a little more or something. Oh, you know? You're
1: just being silly, dude. I,
2: I guess, but the, <laughs> but anyway, but, but the thing was is that um th- for the first Spark Rebellion, she's you know her butt's glued to that pilot seat, and right around the time like halfway through the second episode, I'm like, man, I really want to see her outside that ship. You know, like what else does she do? And they they do it. So like any any little. Things Like that, they mostly
3: answered for me, and like all my problems.
1: She, I think, she's a very conscious combination of Wash and Zoe from Firefly. She
2: is exactly oh, very, those very at the same time.
3: conscious, yeah. And, which is like, a, it's weird. She, she sounds like Zoe, <laughs>
2: <laughs> and they're hinting at that relationship sort of thing with uh, well, I mean, her, I, I think it's, it's pretty clear. Like, yeah. wh-
1: what's what's interesting about Rebels is they could anything that say uh, uh, a shitty television show, like let's say for instance, Lost. Would have done with uh with characters were like stretching out plot points for needless lengths of time or Walking Dead for that matter other Hmm. popular shows people like that have terrible writing in them um (laughs) they uh they 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 dealt with it immediately oh man when's Caden gonna reveal that he's actually a Jedi in the first fucking episode yeah oh man when are we gonna learn that Ezra is actually force sensitive immediately yeah like and start of ep second episode he's like when are we gonna get to Jedi training I mean like it's just it's snappy there's no they don't ever lead you on or like or use Annoying plot points to just stretch out drama. It's just it's happening. It's happening in real time. And by the time you're gonna, you think, oh man, they're gonna do this. They take care of it. As soon as you question them, they answer.
3: I I I like that. To me, Ezra has a like Luke seemed reluctant to become a Jedi. I mean, obviously, he had his responsibilities. You know, it was it was a burden for him. And Ezra was the has been the complete opposite so far. Like he wants to. And from from my experience of having read the the junior reader book that they released a couple months ago, uh, Ezra's Gamble, he does have some knowledge of his past that he's hiding, like involving his father specifically. So they didn't really get into it. It was really just a throwaway line in the book. So I'm eager to see what makes him, what about his past makes him so eager to be a Jedi, as opposed to Luke's past always making it seem like it was a burden to become a Jedi.
1: That's interesting. That's really interesting. And you know the uh, the um, Rebels books they've been releasing have served as previews for like like clues. Like um, Cap- uh, Captain Rex from Star Tours was in one of the Rebels books, and we we're like, oh man, what are they doing? But none of us actually even even though we had every opportunity to consider it, none of us thought maybe it's actually going to be in the show, <laughs> right? Yeah.
2: And it may not have been Captain Rex himself, but you know, same. Make we, we don't really know yeah it could have been was it paul oh, rubens or not what, it, was a, rubens. Cool... it was paul rubens
3: it was so wait it actually was paul rubens it actually voice? was paul yes. rubens oh
2: okay
3: and what a cool appearance i mean when he puts those imperial hater blockers down oh right, <laughs> yeah, what a, yeah. i'm sorry that's He's just, just like i don't want to hear any, any of blockers. your hating
1: <laughs> <laughs> and also the um another cool easter egg hidden in the second episode was um the appearance of the ralph McQuarrie era c-3po design in the back of the uh the shuttle Oh, I didn't think about that. I just thought it was... Yeah, I wasn't paying much attention to that
2: guy. That's cool.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was was great. I mean, uh, Rebels has a lot of potential. I'm very excited for this first season. The second season has already been announced, but at the same time, it was also announced that Greg Weissman would no longer be, um, I guess, working directly on the show. I'm sure he could maybe do like an episode here and there or something, but I guess he's not executive producer, Mm -hmm. uh, which is is odd, but... um, but kind of clearing things up a little bit, he is the, uh, uh, as of April 2015, he's going to be writing a new comic book for Marvel, and it's going to be all about Kanan. It's called uh, Kanan, the Last Padawan. So he's going to be writing that? Yeah. I didn't mm-hmm. know that he'd be writing that. That's really cool. Yeah. And, he's
2: doing and
3: it's, it's been labeled as an ongoing as opposed to like, a, you know, it's not a six issue series. Supposedly, he's going to be like continuing with it. So that, that's really exciting. Wow.
1: Yeah, I, I, it has. I mean, like, so clearly, if there's anything to be supposed that was negative about Weissman leaving Rebels, there's clearly like, you know, everything's cool, which is good. Uh, he's doing that with artist uh, Pepe Larraz, and um, when they asked him, um, Marvel.com did an interview with him, and they asked him uh, what kind of tone he was approaching, and he said it's slightly darker than the television series because it covers an extremely dark time. Uh, from my point of view. Nothing has changed, uh, and the tone I'm always going for is that of Episodes 4 and Hmm. 5. And Hmm. then they asked, uh, "Will we see what will we see are Kanan's greatest needs in terms of training, and what is his relationship like with his master, Depa Billaba? Weissman says, we'll see Kanan trained to be a Jedi, and then we'll see him trained specifically not to be a Jedi anymore. Uh, His relationship with uh, Master Billaba is warm and wry. I do, Matt, you're familiar with like you know all kinds of expanded universe stuff, but do you, does that guy ring any bells?
3: Yeah, it's a it's a female Jedi that was like oh <laughs> yeah, I don't know if she was in any of the. Uh, I know for sure she was in Phantom Menace. I'm trying to recall if she was ever like in a council scene or something from like the other two, but she's definitely like in the Phantom Menace as kind of a background Jedi, but I don't think there's much expanded the universe material on that Jedi. I think I just remember action figures and, and that kind of thing. But she's human. Okay. Which always disappoints me. I always like the... yeah. If I could my see, favorite uh, Master of Padawan situations are ones in which the, you know, alien has a chance to have their own, you know, the sort of, you know, yeah. alien viewpoints. Yeah, if we, if we could see, human. like,
1: you know, a Plo Clune. Or whatever species he is, some some crazy yeah. looking nutso alien like that would be mm-hmm. cool. But no, whitewashing or human washing in this case. But
2: yeah, hey man, we got you know this is aliens you know knocking around on rebels.
1: Yeah, I mean there are, and and Zeb is actually like the la- I may not the last remember their his, names or or, the
2: or, or, <laughs> or 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 where they come from. <laughs>
1: Since we're on the topic of comics, like, that comic comes out in April 2015, uh, at San Diego Comic-Con, it was announced that, um, and we haven't had a chance to talk about this on, uh, State of the Empire, actually, it was announced that, uh, Marvel's official plan come next year for, uh, for Star Wars comics, and, uh, they have some great talent attached to them, and some exciting sounding books, except that, uh, they did a weird thing, every title, like, what Marvel's, Marvel's comic universe, with the exception of Weissman's book about Caden, is all set uh post new hope and um and it's all exactly the same kind of storylines that Brian Wood was writing in Star Wars.
0: Mm.
3: It's unfortunate. Yeah,
1: it's uh I it, it, I don't know. I just I just don't get it. Um why, you know, why would they would have a guy who they work with, Brian Wood, who writes X-Men for them and they wouldn't say, "Damn dude, let's just we we have the rights to pull over anything you previously did and say, you already established the groundwork for this. There's nothing in that book that they can't pre-approve. Like it's, it's all pretty straight laced. Like there, there isn't any continuity violations or anything that would be wrong.
3: Do you think that's because they're worried about opening a precedent that like two like kind of crazy expanded universe fans, like, Oh my God, if they can pull things from that era, because you know, they said they're doing a clean wipe or yeah. they can pull things from that era now it's like oh maybe they can pull the Thrawn trilogy or they can pull whatever and uh, now that doesn't excuse why they couldn't just bring brian wood back and start over at number one i wouldn't be opposed to that but i, I can understand why they wouldn't want to pull his series just for the precedent it would set. i don't,
2: i don't think i don't think marvel or disney cares about fans expectations of precedence on something like that i mean it's like Oh no! If we let if we let Brian Wood Star Wars become canon, then they're going to want this. If you give him a of cookie, he's going to want this. It's like, well, I don't. They can I, just say no. Yeah, they can just say no. <laughs> like, I mean, that's, well, they've, I don't they've don't already if, done if, that.
3: If, I don't know if it's Disney or Marvel that's worried about. I think it's that Lucasfilm story group.
2: Right. Like, well, either way, whoever, whoever's making the decision, it's just like, why can't you just say yes to one and then no to the rest? Like, you guys, you're the Lucas story group. You make all the decisions. It's like, well, you no, know, we'd be uncomfortable. It's like, no, dude. If you like it, just do it. Maybe they don't like it cuz they have another thing planned. Like maybe the thing like all the thing that takes place during New Hope is introducing a new bad guy character that they want to have show up in the films. I don't know.
1: It's it's weird because they appear to be telling exactly the same stories that Brian Wood was telling, but just, you know, I mean, it's like if you if you boiled these books down to their bare premises, you get the story arcs for um, the entire team—you know, uh, like Luke, Han, Leia, Chewie, three PO, R two—the whole, the whole gang, right. Wedge. Um, you get that. You get the story arc for Darth Vader, and you get the personal story arc for Leia. Everything that was featured in the Brian Wood book is being featured over the scope of three separate titles from Marvel. It is crazy. Now, here's—I'll provide some details about each of those books and the creative teams that are working on them. All of whom I really like and admire. Some of whom have been on Nerdy Show before. Um, who hopefully we'll be talking with to like, get the scoop on uh, you know, what's going on with the show, maybe some thoughts about Brian Wood's book in the near future. Um, and then we're going to hear Brian Wood's public statement about the whole st- situation. Uh, so first up, we got uh, Jason Aaron and John Cassidy are doing Star Wars, a book called Star Wars featuring the main team. Uh, it's coming in January 2015. Uh, Darth Vader Ongoing by Kirin Gillen and Salvador LaRocca. Uh, pretty great. Gillen is uh, the guy behind Wicked and Divine, uh, Loki, Young Avengers. Really, really great author. And of course, Jason Aaron. Um, I mean, she's uh, Wolverine the X Men scalped um, Southern Bastards, like, fantastic writer. And then uh, a five issue Princess Leia miniseries by Mark Wade and Terry Dodson. Mark Wade, I would hope, needs no introduction. He's one of the most prolific authors of modern comic books. Um, and each of them take place after new hope um and the quote from uh from starwars.com is each have uh each are important previously unexplored gaps for some of the saga's most iconic characters fuck you (laughs) that like i don't it's such a it feels like such a fucking dig
3: (laughs) it's actually in weird way i mean it's specifically ans- like filling in gaps that Marvel was the first one to tackle back <laughs> yeah. in like the early '80s. Like I don't understand. Like they're literally saying that. I mean, what's weird is they're re-releasing in like an like a an omnibus like those Marvel issues. Like they're actually releasing all the original Marvel comics in a collection. I'm, I plan on buying that because you know any and we'll any chance to where I have for pre-order. Uh, yeah, any like I, I want some more uh, giant green rabbits in my uh, Star Wars, but. <laughs> you know it's i don't understand they're they're digging at themselves they're digging at recent you know beloved uh, books yeah i don't i don't understand why they would address it like that very strange
1: so um Marvel.com did a big interview with all these guys and I got some quotes um, so we can get get some perspective on what each of them are bringing to the table. Uh, Jason Aaron, he says, uh, we wanted this to feel like the movies. We want to feel like we were hired to do do the direct sequel to the original film. So in terms of look, feel, and tone, that's what we're shooting for. It's very much a team book and we've got all the main players here. Uh, We get all the big moments in the first arc. That's our core cast going forward. Um, I do want to be able to use Obi-Wan Kenobi. I've always liked him. um, So I hope to see him in some capacity. And he then goes on to talk about Kieran Gillen's Darth Vader book. Um, The book Kieran is doing and my book will feel like two different sides of the same coin. You'll see from time to time where the books come together and where they go apart. Vader in my book plays a very specific role. And then in Kieran's book, you'll get to see kind of peek behind the curtain and see what it's like on the Empire side of things. Kieran says, you'll just think about the genuinely fundamental things that we never got to see with Darth Vader. We never see the moment where Darth Vader realizes he actually has a son. That kind of flip of the I am your father scene. We never really get to see Vader having that moment. It's almost like Vader's been living a lie for 20 years. He just simply hasn't known something. The discovery of Luke and the discovery of everything else going on is such an important period of his life, maybe the most important period since his fall. It's very true, Mm -hmm. but we did see it in Brian Wood's book.
3: Yeah, and there was a, a Dark Horse series very early on in there you know, like, ownership of the license in which, like, Vader actually, like, he managed to interrogate a rebel to get the name Skywalker, and he got in such a, enraged by it that he, like, ripped down the entire facility because he couldn't believe what he was hearing. And, you know, we, that wasn't, like, maybe not the internal realization that he had a son, but it was certainly, like, yeah, we had that moment. Yeah, we did. Hmm. But you keep saying things like, like they're making it seem like we've never, they've never even addressed these things before, as opposed to like now we're retelling them with a sort of like universal continuity.
1: Yeah. Can we just like, I don't know, like I'm, I write press releases for Nerdy Show. I understand about spin and everything. But like, come on, you're playing to a, fa- a, a ravenous fan base of people who've been going at this thing for yeah. like over 30 years. They're, yeah. They're, 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 libraries they're of probably-
3: knowledge. The the percent, It sounds like they're trying to talk to, to newer, like like they're they're gaining fans. But I don't think these press releases are read by the new fans. They're, I don't. Maybe they are. I don't know. It just seems like the ones that are reading them are the ones who have been with them for a number of years now. Uh,
1: on the topic of the Princess Leia miniseries by Mark Wade, um, Wade says um, he's going to be dealing with uh, some. Well, another thing that. Brian Wood dealt with, which is, you know, after you destroy the Death Star, after you escape, well, is coping with the fact that her entire family and everything she understood is gone. Um, that, that PTSD of having your planet annihilated, and which Brian Wood did very, very well. Masterfully. Yeah. Um, uh, and Mark is an incredible author, so I'm sure he'll do a great job as well. And with, the, with him having this miniseries, he'll actually be able to explore it in a, in a different way. Um because Leia was, though there were some very Leia-focused issues, she was sharing screen time effectively in in Brian Wood's book. Um, So he says that uh, in this case, she has to actively choose. Will I be the princess of nothing and just sort of ride along in the rebel alliance and subsume myself to them? Or is there a responsibility that comes with the title of princess, even though there are no subjects or royal house anymore? So she's uh, during the, the miniseries, she's actually looking for other, like, dissidents of alderaan maybe dissidents. Name, alderaan right alderaan, survivors. alderaan survivors who are off world of the time she's going to be tra- traveling low profile undercover getting these i guess maybe higher ups of the the government or something like that and uh at some point the empire will find out what she's doing and we'll be very curious as to why that's the three the three books coming out early next year um as well as the fourth book which is star wars rebels tie-in by greg weissman so, on the topic of, of all these announcements, just after this happened, Brian Wood posted to his Tumblr, and he said, um, I've been asked about this a lot, if our Star Wars stories we did at Dark Horse count, or are they, are they canon, and so on. Um, and then he posted a, an excerpt from an interview with a, a Marvel editor, Jordan D. White, at uh, Comics Alliance. The Comics Alliance said, Between the original Marvel run, books like Splinter the Mind's Eye, and the most recent adjective-less Star Wars book at Dark Horse, this time period between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back has been heavily excavated. Lucasfilm's canon cops have, been pretty, have pretty much wiped the slate clean when it comes to these previous looks at the time period, but how much does the now non-canon stuff feed into the types of stories you'll be telling? Did you lean on it? Did you avoid it, avoid it entirely? And uh, the editor replies, We're no strangers to parallel continuities here at Marvel, given our core universe. Sure. <laughs> right? It's <laughs> very diplomatic. Um, the ultimate universe, the cinematic universe. That said, as you pointed out, we're joining with Lucasfilm at an exciting time. Unlike the previous extended universe, he says extended, not expanded. I don't know what that means. Um, the, if anything, the promise uh, going forward is that any Star Wars stories we put out are part of the core canon, right along with the films and television series. To that end, we've been working closely with the Lucasfilm story group to make sure everything we do is in lockstep with their larger plans. So, very diplomatic response. Brian Wood goes on to say... So while there's still no comment on the current Star Wars book we're doing, because it was still being published at that point, as of now, it's, um, well, it's, on the ver- it's, it's done, it's on the verge of being collected. Um, he says, it seems like the stories are destined for the canon dustbin. I'm also pretty sure that come the end of December, our books will no longer be able to be distributed and sold and will be out of print, so get them while you can. The third and fourth final volumes come out in October. This applies to all the other Star Wars books Dark Horse is publishing now. How do I feel? Well, I don't own Star Wars, so there's a certain amount of shrugging involved because what can be done? Nothing. This happens. What I am mystified about is more to do with the fact that these three Marvel Star Wars books, by all available appearances, are supposed to do the same thing as our one original trilogy book, and that seems like a terribly uncreative thing to do with three top-notch creative teams. Maybe in execution it'll be different, but I understand the impulse on a business level, the still-green Luke, Leia struggling with her loss, Vader and the Empire post-Yavin, it's all very logical to follow these story threads. It's what people respond to, as is evident by the nearly 100,000 copies we sold of Star Wars issue one. Now there will be a Marvel version of that. I wish everyone the best, and will always value my time on Star Wars and working with so many amazing people. You won't be in the dustbin, brother. You'll be on my shelf!
2: Forever!
1: Seriously, if you haven't done it yet, and I know many of you actually have based on these, these the constant praising of his book, uh, do it and do it now. We'll link to those um, where you can pick up those trades on this episode's page. Of course, any links you follow from our episode page will take you to our, to our through our Amazon affiliate links and we'll also give back to Nerdy Show as well. But most importantly, for yourself, for Brian Wood, pick up these books and uh, read what came first before you read the Marvel books. Yes, please. Um it it'll be awkward it'll be awkward for all of us but um I mean the man did some great work and we got to we'll I, I we we've, we've we've shout out to him in every way possible I, I I don't know hopefully he'll get some recognition somehow um in the grand scheme of things anyhow uh it's high time we cut to a track to divide this up and after this we're going to be talking about um well Star Wars episode 7 news and uh some of our our, our recently uh, launched Ghostbusters role playing hub mm-hmm. Uh, just as a, a little added bonus since, uh, two film things certainly must share some of an audience, but Why not? It, it's actually been a while since we released a fresh episode. We've been doing things like the, uh, the big Q and a events and so on, like the D and D Q and a and the Palooza, are live streaming events. And, uh, as a result, we haven't put out, um, episodes that had an opportunity for us to like give shout outs to the fan base. So we actually have some, uh, some generous contribution shout outs from, uh, from September and then we'll do the October ones later on in the next section of the show. Uh, so, uh, of course, nerdy show, the entire network is listener supported. You guys can go to nerdyshowcom support and, uh, and chip in anything you can offer is greatly appreciated. And if you do, we send you a ton of cool perks in your email, including as of uh, the last couple months, a bunch of state of the empire outtakes. Yeah. So if you want to enjoy that, all it takes is a dollar and you get access to hundreds of hours of amazing outtakes and bonus content and so on. And you support the network. The entire network relies on your funds we got to give a shout-out to Pestilence. Matthew Cox, who gave a very giant-sized donation. Robert Stoneback, who said, uh, Here's for more Lightning Dogs. It may not be a show yet, but it's already a better cartoon than Road Rovers. Nice! (laughs) Jeffrey Lalone said, Sorry, I haven't donated in a while, so here's a few bucks. I also just used your Amazon link to pre-order Guardians of the Galaxy. Keep up the nerdiness. Awesome. Well done, my friend. Well done. Delphi, wrote in and she said, great time listening to the live Q&A on Wednesday. Sorry for any incoherency on my end during my call-in. So excited I could barely think straight. You did just fine. Yeah. You were great. <laughs> Don't apologize. It was awesome. And if you want to listen to the D&D Q&A, follow a link on this episode's page. Check it out. It's uh, our, a Q&A based on our role-playing show, Dungeons and & Doritos. And uh, if everything goes according to plan, though we've already released it as a podcast, the video component to that should be available this week. So keep an eye out for that. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter if um, you don't just check nerdyshow.com every single day. And I mean, why wouldn't you? My homepage. (laughs) (laughs) Why isn't it your homepage? Make it your homepage. (laughs) Uh, Bradley Snow says, Giving what I can, looking forward to the extra content. I hope you like it. And if you did, hey, let us know. Let us know what other stuff you'd like to see. Another Bradley, a a fine collection of Bradleys this month, said, uh, Bradley Wilk said, Here you go, guys. Make sure you pick up some spicy street taco Doritos jacked for the next D&D. And actually, I have a, uh, maybe you can hear the bag crinkle here. I have, um, I still have a couple bags of it back when it was uh, test flavor 855 in the uh, unlabeled silver bag. So yeah, we're we're, we're rocking those right now. And I think you can probably hear us eat them in the most recent D&D. And uh, Barry I says, "Monthly nerdy show donation. Keep being awesome. Thank you, Barry. You keep being awesome, sir." Sean Lalor said, "Just had to let you know that the D and and A and the Microsoft Palooza streams were awesome. I hope that there will be more live events like them in the near future." Second month's donation, well deserved. Yeah, he doubled up. Wow, that's what a Roosevelt he is. Dang, that glad, glad he enjoyed the the uh, the live streaming that much. It was difficult,
2: but we got through it.
1: Yeah, uh, growing pains, and you know, hopefully, like uh, we. Any, if we figured out all the things that went wrong, we figured out why they happened, most of them, um, we, yeah, we think we could do more. So if you guys are interested in, hear, in seeing more, we'll do them. Awesome. Uh, Joshua Westfall said, congratulations on the first Microsoft Palooza. Even in the face of technical disaster, Nerdy Show perseveres to provide us with professional quality content. Thank you for, for seeing through all the smoke and fires to what's, <laughs> what's really underneath, which will result in some finely crafted microsodes, I assure you. And uh, Caitlin Kruger said, looking forward to opening up an Iowa branch of the Ghostbusters franchise. Ooh. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, printing out your certificate when you uh, purchase a franchise kit. But uh, more on that later. Right now, we got a track. And it is something from, well, let's let's, see. let's do this. Um, this is um, a, a recent band on the nerd music scene. They're called Copy Red Leader. They put out a, uh, they kind of like have a uh, kind of folky, nerd folk kind of sound. Um, they put out an album called Crossing the Streams. We played them uh, in the title track a, a while ago on an episode of Nerdy Show. I think it was our pre-E3 episode. And uh, this is a track they did, one of several sci-fi tracks, one of several Star Wars tracks even, called Let the Wookiee Win.
0: Competing in a spelling bee against a giant seven-foot-three, he growls incomprehensibly, but let the Wookiee win. Baking But let the wookie win. Let the wookie win. Let the wookie win. We know he'll tear our arms off, so we let the, let the wookie win. Let the wookie win. Let the wookie win. We know he'll tear our arms off, so we let the wookie win. Sitting in the bingo hall, growling out the winning call. His card it isn't full at all. But let the wookie win setting up a Jenga game. Every week it's just the same. We give in, so we're to blame. We let the Wookiee win! Let the Wookiee win! Let the Wookiee win! We know he'll tear our arms off, so we let the Wookiee win! Let the Wookiee win! Let the Wookiee win! win. win. We know he'll tear our arms off, so we let the Wookiee win! And now he's staring right at you Oh, let the Wookiee win Going shopping last minute Kids in tow are in a snit Guess who bought the last of it? Oh, let the Wookiee win Let the Wookiee win Let the Wookiee win We know he'll tear our arms off So we let the Wookiee win tear our arms off so we let the Wookiee win. We know he'll tear our arms off so we let the Wookiee win. Let the Wookiee win. Let the Wookiee win. Let the Wookiee win.
1: Let Wookie win. Let's talk about Star Wars Episode 7. There's been, since yeah. we last spoke, there's been a lot of uh, leaked pictures, leaked with air quotes, because I'm fairly certain they've all been released on purpose, aside yeah. from the ones that have been obviously released on purpose by J.J. Abrams, but even the ones that were allegedly leaked, pretty sure they're, they weren't. What about, like, you mean like the aerial photos as well? Yeah, the aerial photos, uh, you know, oh, that, that, was, that was an accident, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. That, that was a genuine accident. I forgot about those. Yeah. Yeah. Um, JJ's been uh, been doing some fun stuff. He's been, you know, doing his usual thing of like, well, let me take a picture of something. But in the background, there's a Star Wars thing. Right, right. Um, there was some Imperial lighting fixtures, like like the kind you see on the Death Star, reflecting on a table in one picture. And uh, and then he was in a Twitter war with um, Zack Snyder. And uh, as a result, showed off a lot of Star Wars stuff, including the bottom of the Millennium Falcon, where he had affixed a painted batman tumblr kinda win this batman star wars war that i i didn't really follow it i don't uh,
2: yeah it's it's really just cross promotion is all it really is but I have
1: to get the fans talking one i suppose one of the uh if you're looking to look at the episode seven timeline we know that shooting is nearly over and we know this because john williams is about to begin orchestrating the episode seven score that on october 6th they said he'd be he'd be starting that in two weeks so as of this release that means there's a one more week, and John Williams will be doing that, mm. and that also definitely means that right around now, shooting is wrapping for all all the principal shooting, anyway, for episode seven. So crazy to think, Mark
2: Hamill, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, the whole gang have been in costume portraying those characters in situations that we don't know. We don't know any, any <laughs> clue, and it's already done. I don't. It's like it's just so crazy to think of it in those terms to me. That is pretty crazy. If you told me that years ago, I wouldn't have believed you. Right, right. <laughs> and just the, and we just know so little is what's they they've, they've done a very good job. Yeah,
3: yeah. I think I think comparatively to what was available for Phantom Menace at this time in the production timeline, I think they've done an amazing job. Like I mean, we haven't seen a single character in costumes, yeah like with all the leaked pictures
2: and all the aerial shots we did we haven't seen anybody in any kind of costume or anything we've seen glimpses of ships but not even like a full a full-on view you know yeah we we know there's
1: some scenes in a desert we've seen a creature we've seen the new stormtrooper helmets we've seen the new x-wing but like it's all been very controlled and even the things that were painted as leaks are still like clearly like it's the the fact that we've only seen stuff that's safe for them to show us like the millennium falcon you've seen that before you know it's all it's all been very well done Mm -hmm. um good on them (laughs) and uh so c3po anthony daniels um apparently he was actually asked by jj would you like to be in the film or do you want to do a voice to which anthony daniels said i want to be in the film but uh to make things easier for him, because being C three PO has never been a walk in the park. Um, it's been a walk in a metal fucking suit through the desert. Yeah, it's been, it's been a <laughs> shuffle through the desert, is what it's been. <laughs> uh, they they built him a new suit, which is apparently um, very snazzy and and eliminates a lot of the problems of previous versions, even all, all the way to the prequels. Nice. Um, he has a funny quote. He says uh, during the prequels, the only time three PO has been CG was when it was very dangerous to act in the scene in the suit, and it wasn't very good, in fact. Uh, In fact, I'm going to say it was awful. (laughs) One of the difficulties is with a character that you know and love so well is that as a member of the audience, you go, oh, that's not right. No, he doesn't move like that. With me in the suit, uh, he's always going to move the same way and have the same reactions, timing, and so on. With CG, you're working with some brilliant person on a keyboard who's trying to pretend to be me. The only time that's worked without a doubt is Disney Star Tours The Adventure Continues. Uh, There's an element of the pre-show which is digital, and I cannot tell it's not me. It's brilliantly done.
2: Yeah, I'll have to save the whole story for another time. But when I when I did get to meet Anthony Daniels for a short period of time, and uh, it was all uh, about the Star Tours ride, he really, genuinely, couldn't say enough good things about the team uh, of Imagineers and all the people who worked on that ride. He really seemed to have a great time and said nothing but great things.
1: Well, why don't let let it all out? Here, this is the time we talk about Star Tours already. We talked about Anthony Daniels. Alright, you asked for it, alright
2: uh, A good friend of mine uh, is also a, a coworker. worker uh, He made this Star Wars fan film called um, uh, Star Wars Droids The Jawa Adventure, and he had Reached out to Anthony Daniels to try and Provide the voice for 3PO, because it's about 3PO and R2 um, And uh, he didn't hear back From Anthony Daniels for, a, you know, like A, for like a while, um, but then he reached out To Tom Kane, who does the voice uh, on The Clone Wars and animated uh, stuff and uh, Tom McCain said, "Yeah, sure." So he got to you know voice. Uh, they recorded the voice for this animated, you know, fan film. And then after a while, Anthony Daniels finally got a hold of uh, my friend Brad again, and he was just like, "Hey, you know, I thought we were going to do this this thing." And he's like, "Oh, we didn't hear back from you." And he's like, "I wrote you back. You didn't get it." And through some fluke, like he ended up not getting it, but it was already too late. The film was was over and done with. And Anthony Daniels felt so sorry, uh, he uh, uh, flew out uh, to Florida and he invited. Uh, everyone involved out to uh, meet him at mgm studios and ride star tours with him so uh we all were packed into this like little screening room and like they even had an announcer which just like ladies and gentlemen anthony daniels and anthony it's, it wasn't that many people but it was like and anthony, <laughs> anthony daniels comes out and he just starts talking to us like really uh candidly and uh was just totally awesome and uh then he's like all right we are we ready to uh you know, uh, you know. Let's go ride this ride, and uh, I got to ride the ride with Anthony Daniels. Like, I mean, he, like, not like, oh yeah, I, I met him. Like, he was across the room from me, but more of like, quite literally, I am in line for Star Tours next to Anthony Daniels, and he is talking to me, Doug, about like <laughs> how they did all these animatronics and stuff. And I'm just like, not even look at the animatronics. I'm just like, this is one of the most surreal things. Like, this is 3PO, but not 3PO, but yet he's talking to me, while a 3PO full-sized robot is in my same line of sight, it was the most bizarre thing, and um, uh, he's like, and like, at one point, like, we're trying to move through this line, Anthony Daniels is having to shove me forward, like, come on, come look at this up here, and I'm like, all right, Anthony, I'm going, you know, whatever, and uh, we finally get on the ride, and it was me and, you know, a bunch of other people, but like, I sat behind him. And it was so freaking crazy seeing a, a C-3PO robot, I mean, piloting the thing. And I don't know, it's, it's, um, I'll never forget it. Cause it was, it was, as a fan, <laughs> I was nerding out the entire time.
4: How would you like to look five years younger in a clinical study? People that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment.
2: Uh it was amazing. And uh so that's my story. I hope you're jealous because I had a hell of a
1: time. Well, how about the other uh elephant in the room, Doug? You were recently in a major motion picture that was distributed across the country. Yeah. Uh, you were the kill Bill kid in yeah. Kevin Smith's film Tusk. Yes. This has nothing to do with Star Wars. No, but this is this is our kind of movie show, so let's get like okay, while we're not? talking about your brushes with fame, let's start let's All right, keep going. Yeah, so
2: after I met Anthony Daniels and he was like, Hey kid, you wrote no, no didn't no, <laughs> did not, did not have it that way. Um uh yeah i i was in i i got to play the Kill Bill kid in tusk and you're, I'm, you're I'm the inciting
1: in the, incident of the film
2: yes i am uh i am the reason why justin long decides to go to canada so i play a canadian so i acted my ass off to try and give that <laughs> essence of uh of of the great white north coming through coming through me
1: <laughs> so um I don't, I don't know if it's still in theaters but uh, i actually haven't got a chance to see it yet but uh i, I hope to it sounds like it's it's very div- a very divisive. film. It is a very divisive film. Uh,
2: from the people who I've spoken with, um, half of them like it, and half of them say you were good, Doug,
0: but the movie <laughs> was. And I,
2: I liked it. I mean, I went. To, I mean, I, I, aside from me being in it, which doesn't doesn't mean anything, but uh, I liked it. it. It's just it's very different. If if you're not into scary movies, if you're not into horror films, if you're not into weird films, uh, you might want to wait till DVD. But um, if it's if if the concept seems up your alley then it's worth checking out
1: back in the star wars universe yes please <laughs> <laughs> uh we've seen han solo's uh new outfits a couple sketches of that hit hit online there's like a very nathan phillian uh malcolm riddle if they space are indeed cowboy. for real if they are indeed for real yeah. they, they look they look good they look like yeah. they look like what you'd expect from concept drawings there's also a uh Imperial winter kind of outfit. It's like, it's, like a, it's like his outfit from Hoth, but it's also got a bit more of imperial flair to it. And he's got actually the little like insignias uh, and stuff. Like, yeah, red and, and blue squares on like, you know, pinned to his shirt. Don't know what that means. If they're real. Matt, what are those called?
3: I'm sure they do have a name, but I don't know the name. You failed. You failed me, Matt. I know. I know. I was just like, well, like, as soon as you asked that, I was like, oh, shit, I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm sure there's some uh, members of the 501st who know good and goddamn well what those are called, but uh, yeah. oh well whatever whatever weird celebrity cameo rumors oh this is this is off the wall yeah i I don't i don't i don't buy any of this okay yeah i I don't either it sounds like absolutely absurd there's a rumor the first there was a rumor that daniel craig was in episode seven in a mystery role but then (laughs) all at once robert downey jr hugh jackman samuel jackson and nick frost were all rumored to have visited the pinewood studios for a day And according to the the Sun newspaper, which is a tabloid in the UK, um, some are hiding their faces just for fun, but others have to hide for contractual reasons as they're tied to other studios. Technically, they're not allowed to appear at a Disney film, which I think was to say, cough, cough, Hugh Jackman, because everybody else already works for Disney. Yeah. um, Except Nick Frost, but, you know, it's Nick Frost. And that's
2: why also, that also sparks the rumor that maybe Kevin Smith had a role in the new films, which is why when he walked out of the set, all teary eyed, and made a Twitter selfie where he's like he's crying because he's so happy with a thumbs up they're like maybe they just put him in the movie and i'm like no man come on like it's not just because someone visits the set doesn't mean anything it just means that they're so, they're, they're they're better people than you and me <laughs> and they get the chance to see this with their own eyes it doesn't mean they're in it but to give it the benefit of the doubt if they are indeed in it i'm sure it's going to be completely unrecognizable in the background somewhere the, with that, with that mask of, over their of head of
1: all these people the only one i believe is nick frost because Nick Frost is a great character actor. And if they wanted somebody to be funny in a scene, yeah. they would hire Nick Frost to do that. Yeah. Like a, like a job of stand-in. Yeah.
3: It, 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 I, I, and, and I have to admit, I was surprised that there wasn't a Simon Pegg casting based on, you know, J.J. doing the movie and, and Simon Pegg's, you know. Basically, I, I had expected both of those two to appear in the film at some point, but...
1: Yeah, I, and maybe, maybe they still do. Who
3: well, the didn't, fuck
2: didn't, didn't they film in sync? uh to be jedis at one point like during attack of the clones and then they just cut them out on the cutting room floor
3: yes for for what from what i understand all of that was true
1: yeah that 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 is actually what he said is accurate the band in sync were filmed as jedis in the prequels and it it never made it to film thank god
2: someone owns it somewhere some i don't know who if, if it's if it's in the lucas archives or if it's in the disney vault right now somewhere there's footage of this if
1: you own this footage uh i I don't think you should put it online i think you should get it on a vhs tape and just start mailing it to people
3: (laughs) (laughs) let's let's do this well of course then someone will just put it online but yeah i I actually but it'll be in shitty quality
2: yeah we'll pay we'll pay handsomely
3: I i can't mention who or what but i do know someone involved with that scene now own memorabilia from attack of the clones because they were there i just can't mention who okay so all of that was very true
1: interesting okay and, and samuel jackson i mean i think we can all agree he deserves a chance to um reprise mace windu and redeem that character for you know dying as as he so aptly but not,
2: said no i mean like look he does deserve the chance i gi- i give you that but to bring him back Oh, and this film doesn't make no, any fucking yeah, sense. He's no dead, sense. Yeah, he's, unless he's
1: some kind of special human. Yeah,
2: you know? well, un- unless he's dead and then comes back as a he's ghost. A cyborg. No, because <laughs> no, because I saw. Here's the other thing. I actually recently I saw some fan art online. Um, I can't remember if it was called like Revenge or something like that. It was just like a simple title, but it was it was a, a uh, young adult. I guess you know. I guess maybe he was in his twenties. Maybe he was an adult. Boba Fett standing over an aged Mace Windu with a robot hand. Like as if they've just been fighting, and and Boba Fett's about to deliver the killing blow to kill Mace Windu, who's like on his stomach, like looking towards what the camera point of view would be. Interesting. And it was it was well done, and I'm just like, dude, I want to see that scene so bad. Like an old Mace Windu who's been hiding, with you know, mutilated, with his hands cut off, you know. And I don't know, like it was it was it was dark, but not like crazy depressing dark, but it was just. It was very uh, uh, emotionally driven, and it was, I was like, "Well, that could make like a great spinoff movie if, if you did a yeah, Boba Fett movie. Yeah, you know, movie. that's dude, funny. You I, know what, dude, fuck it. Make the Boba Fett movie him <laughs> hunting
1: Mace Windu, the man who killed his father. <laughs> that's a valid point, but I do know a place where a scene like that may actually fit right in, and that's the number one Star Wars rumor of this episode of State of the Empire, the Obi-Wan Kenobi spinoff film rumor. Which has gained, I, it hasn't, it showed up mid September and it has not gone away. It's
2: even grown. Some people say that it will, that it's a, uh, the Obi Wan film will be a trilogy film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I think that's, that's a little, that, that's crazy talk. <laughs>
3: yeah. That, that, I can't
2: that. imagine what they're going to do. Cause, I, well, here's the other I, thing.
3: I love, I love McGregor's Kenobi so much despite the bad movies around him. That yeah. I, I would, I would be more excited about that than episode seven. I know that's blasphemy, but a chance for Obi Wan to be like, like really, like good Obi Wan, yeah, to make but, him the legend that he is in yeah. A New Hope.
2: Well, the problem is, awesome. is uh, what are they going to have him do? Because I've been led to believe that he's going to be on Tatooine, watching out for Luke all this time. Is he? And, gonna... and it would
1: be irresponsible if he stopped doing that.
2: Yeah. So what are they going to do? He's like, well, I must go find Master Windu. I've heard word that he's still alive, and it's like, well, that might be an interesting movie if you get like Obi Wan and Windu together, and they're just like. And you know, if if Windu somehow survived the purge, and this is like taking place just after Revenge of the Sith or something like that, I would be more interested in that because that w- would lead into the horror movie that we were talking about, where a bunch of Jedi are stuck on a planet and Darth Vader arrives. Like I, I just I would love to see that if it's Windu and Obi Wan like getting together and being like just you know meeting up once a year or whatever, drinking hot bowls of soup in like a in a danky corner of uh, of some uncharted planet. And just trading what little they know about who has survived and how they can plan to rebuild the Jedi, but then of course maybe Boba Fett finds them and then you know ends up killing them or whatever. But
1: well, uh, here's what we know so far. I mean, we got for starters, there's still some shit that's shockingly unconfirmed. We got Josh Trank, the Fantastic Four director, Gareth Edwards, the Godzilla director, both known to be attached to the Star Wars spinoff projects. Mm -hmm. We we know there's a very high likelihood of Han Solo, Boba Fett, and the like question mark question mark exclamation mark red five film that no one it showed up on a list mm-hmm. that seems a legit list we just don't know what it's a legit what it's a list of mm-hmm. um so they're attached to something uh and then making star wars.net said that uh they uh early production for obi-wan has already begun after a formalized star fan poll was taken regarding their favorite character and obi-wan beat out characters like han solo yoda and even darth vader um the quote attached from their source is, I've heard from quite a few people now that an Obi-Wan Kenobi movie is in the works. From the spinoff movies, they were initially going to stay away from the Jedi or Sith characters, but I'm hearing now that because of the popularity of Obi-Wan, uh, that an art team is now working with a writer on concepts for an Obi-Wan movie. And then th- this month, the-, the trilogy news happened and uh, Cinelinks had unnamed sources that said that, um, that Disney and Lucasfilm are now considering a trilogy to be set between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope, And the three films would have some connective tissue, but they would operate independently of one another. So you could go Hmm. you could see, you know, see one Obi-Wan movie, you don't need to see the other Obi-Wan movie, you just might have more background on a character. Or like one's Obi Wan, one's Boba Fett, one's, you know, whatever. Well,
2: that's that's the spin-off pattern. This is specifically for Obi-Wan. Oh, I gotcha, I got you.
3: So what you're telling me is the Obi-Wan trilogy is gonna be a James Bond like series in which secret leader of the rebellion, R2 D two, brings Obi Wan (laughs) (laughs) missions.
1: Jeez. That is exa- that's exactly what I'm saying now. That's- so, so, yes. so, so, later
2: in A New Hope, I never seem to remember owning a droid. Very interesting. Like it's just full of <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge
1: to R two. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, he's just yeah. being, they're just being real cute with another. It's it's a running gag. In fact, he's like, he'll be like, I never owned a droid R R2. two, and R 2s like, Bru-ru-ru-ru. and so, so that's just that's just them being like, oh yeah, we're so fucking cool, or just they, they, they're just hamming it up because the people who
2: are in the room don't know about it. So it's just you know <laughs> yeah. like, oh. You the droid.
1: I don't know your name, but uh, I hear you have a message for me. And then it'll, it'll go to a cutaway, and, and and he's like, give me five, brother. <laughs> and Archie whips out his little hand. <laughs> um, so, one film would take place entirely on Tatooine, while the other two would have Obi-Wan trekking across the galaxy. We can assume that that would be trekking across the galaxy as a result of whatever happened on Tatooine that was so important that he would leave Luke just to take care of it. Mm-hmm. When I could believe that something could come up if he could find a babysitter. But, <laughs> I don't know. Ahsoka? Uh, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> it said, while the Jedi Master would likely encounter many familiar faces from the Clone Wars, the sources specifically mentioned appearances by Darth Maul and Qui-Gon Jinn, most, of course, as a ghost, as is reported,
3: you know, that that was filmed anyway. Um, here's one of my favorite parts, though. Superhero hype. They... <laughs> They
1: approached Joe Egerton, who played Uncle Owen in the prequels, and asked him if he'd heard anything. <laughs> they won the award for right. truly looking in
3: all the wrong places. Yeah, yeah. I, I, in, in defense of that, he's become somewhat of a well-respected actor since then, and it's just another case of like George didn't realize what he had. <laughs> and I, I mean, believed he him as so... Uncle Owen. Yeah. <laughs> Like I think it was, he was supposed to be really good in oh god, uh, Warrior, and um, now he's he's in that new Ridley Scott film. He's like playing opposite Christian Bale, you know, as like the the, the oh. Pharaoh in Egypt. And so like now that he's kind of a big award nominated actor, they're like, oh, Disney might be like, why don't we try to get him to lead a film?
2: I <laughs> dude, I could no, I couldn't do there, there there might be potential for a scene where. Obi-Wan, like, needs to leave and uh, find Ahsoka or do something or find Mace Windu or something like that, and then he, like, waits for Owen Lars to go into, you know, into Masashi to pick up some power converters, and he just approaches him from behind. He's like, you said you'd never talk to me, Obi-Wan. What are you doing here? You said you're gonna stay away from Luke. He's like, I just came to tell you that I'm leaving for a short time, and I don't know if I'll be making it back. And he's like, you said you'd protect him. You You, 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 you Luke. And it's Like, There could be a cool little drama well, scene right there. Well,
1: Egerton really got into it. He said, well, first off, I've, you know, I've, I, have this is the first I'm hearing of this, <laughs> this superhero hype that I've never, no one's presented this to me before, but he, he went on to say, uh, he'd be interested to see why Owen hates Obi-Wan so much by the time of the original trilogy. Yeah. Maybe Luke almost gets hurt or something. Uh, and then he said, I, I, I assume fancifully that uh, Egerton's brother was McGregor's stunt double, and how he hopes a return for Owen could mean he gets some action scenes this time around. Dude, uh, dude, what if
2: uh, if they bring back Darth Maul with like robot legs? And because uh, they did it on
1: the Clone Wars, right? Yeah. yeah. So what? That's if, confirmed. That's that's the real deal. That's so, canon. So
3: did Darth? Yes, canon, so did Darth dude.
2: Maul die in the Clone
1: Wars?
3: Um, not. There's a we need to read uh, son of dathomir there, from dark horse yeah there's a yeah sons of dathomir uh to kind of wrap up his clone Wars storyline but i don't know because i haven't read it yet if it killed him off
1: but that is actually that's the only thing dark dark horse has put out which is 100 percent canonical approved star wars so i've always joked it's like dude you mean to tell me in all this time no one ever
2: thought to look back on anakin skywalker's home planet And just check up on things, you know? Like, I mean, the Empire owns that planet, don't they? Like, they are, you know, they do care a little bit about it. All this time, nothing ever happens. Obi-Wan sat there quietly. No one ever thought of it. But what if that didn't happen that way? What if it actually was, like, a, a huge, big fucking deal, and Darth Maul is the one who's, like, out there searching or whatever, or maybe he's trying to get back in good graces of the Palpatine or whatever. He finds out Luke is alive, and it's the son of Skywalker. He's like... Uh, I'm gonna report this. And he's like, if I were to leave, Obi Wan has to stop him, or he tries to kill Luke, or whatever. And there's a big fight. You could do. I'm starting to see potential here. Is what I'm saying. That, like that.
3: That was a, That's actually like almost exactly a uh, EU like comic story that they did in a Star Wars Tales comic. Basically, Darth Maul shows up. I mean, it was actually the first appearance of Darth Maul as being alive, and he showed up with like you know robotic legs on the moisture farm to kill Luke, and then Obi Wan came out and. Killed him for good.
1: So that's the thing that that didn't happen, but could happen. And now the robot yes. legs are canon after that comic happened. Yep. So we, who the fuck knows? So I'm I'm free to write it if anyone,
2: um, <laughs> uh, you know. It sounds like they already have people <laughs> yeah, on on yeah, the case. Probably. I mean, they
1: specifically mentioned Darth Maul. Yeah,
2: and they also mentioned a writer working with people who do the yeah. art and stuff like that. A- but, anyway, you
1: know. uh, here's Joe Egerton's quote. He says, a- "Actually, uh, I could be a good uh as long as." As long as we get to some action shit, you know? I don't want to just be a nerdy moisture farmer.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Looking at Owen in episode four, it looked like he'd been through some shit, too. I like to think that he was employed in the battlefield, in the air. Okay, we're going to talk about this. This is a necessary addition to my film canon. It gives me another chance to do something more than just rub my hands on a rag and shake Anakin's hand. Oh. <laughs> so he's into it. He's
0: yeah. there.
2: <laughs> I'm, I'm curious what he has. To, yeah, because he, he they went out on search parties to find uh, Anakin's mom.
1: I think I, I thought think thought off the Tuscan Raiders. I, I so while while superhero hype gets an award for looking in Alderaan places, like they in the end they mm-hmm. win. Like that was yeah. that's great. That's good, yeah. Like yeah. They, that was some good intuition, guys. Uh as for that, that that's that's it for film film news as far as forthcoming films. We did get a glimmer of hope, maybe even confirmed hope that the Star Wars trilogy as we remember it, the pre-special edition trilogy will be coming to Blu-ray prior to episode 7. Didn't take a genius to figure that out, but I did tell you so.
0: hmm
1: <laughs> <laughs> And uh, then one last tidbit is that uh, by surprise, surprising approximately everyone, there was the announcement of a Star Wars arcade game. At New York Comic Con, uh, Bandai Namco released the Star Wars Battle Pod. And it is a luxury arcade cabinet. Now, first of all, this is the first I've heard of any of this. Bandai Namco, like, the two people who were only associated with making Star Wars games that we knew of were EA as a publisher, and then Disney could make web-based games and, and mobile games and so on. So, uh, clearly, there was an arcade license also extended that no one talked about, knew about, or anything. And Bandai Namco picked it up, because um, I didn't hear EA's name mentioned once during this whole thing. So, BattlePod... My God, there's some video you can watch. Uh, I don't think it'll do the experience justice because this is actually designed to be an experience thing. You're feeding this thing $2 for four minutes of gameplay. Yeah, but it's almost like a ride because it blows like wind in your face and stuff as you're moving. It's this thing that they've experimented with before. It's a 180 degree domed screen that uses a flight stick and throttle and uses low frequency vibrations, fans, and surround sound to mimic impacts, explosions, acceleration, and speed i'm um, all about it I'm, I'm ready you get in there and you choose um like you you play you play this experience you choose what scenario you want the ones they've mentioned so far though they've shown videos of like some other stuff i don't know what the hell it is um there's uh if you want to if you're on choose yavin you do x-wing i guess that's the battle of yavin uh hoth you get a snow speeder indoor speeder bike and there's also this thing um Oh, if you do the second Death Star, you get to fly the Millennium Falcon, and there's one called Vader's Revenge, where you play the Battle of Yavin as a tie-advanced. And it's on rails, and you can't die, but it's loose rails, so you do have some control within the periphery of, like, where you're accelerating towards, and the game is based on score. So, it's all about getting that high score. Here's the thing. If you, dear listener, are in New York, we want to hear about your experience, because you can go out, like, New York City. You can play it now. You can play it now. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it hits arcades in January, and hopefully the Dave & Busters, or maybe like uh, in Orlando, um, or maybe... Um, the Geekyzy, perhaps? Not not, not the geeky. I don't think they can afford this, this unit. But, uh, you know, maybe Downtown Disney somewhere, maybe... Oh, of uh, course, Downtown Disney, Maybe, yeah. maybe Disney Quest. Uh, of course, <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, New York City, right now, until November 2nd, Midtown Dave & Busters. Go there, let us know what you find, uh, you lucky bastards. <laughs> <laughs> Because I'm going to come there with a whole stack of bills And I'm going to feed it in (laughs) And anybody waiting is going to have to get the fuck out (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm going to be turning right around Until I've played every fucking scenario in that thing Anyway It's time for Willow Watch So, Willow Willow Willow, man. Uh, there isn't much to say about Willow, as I'm sure you can imagine. Um, but in uh, we we still we still gonna we're still gonna be doing that um that episode that special episode of Willow Watch with uh Alan Varney, the guy who wrote the Willow Sourcebook, and uh, and really like for all this lackluster Willow Watch you've been getting lately, we're uh, we're gonna dig into. You know some some deep Willow stuff, but I I did find something on on Warwick Davis's official website warkdavis.co.uk, in the FAQ. There's a part that said where it, it asks, "Is there going to be a Willow too? And he says, "This is undoubtedly the most frequently asked question ever." Wow, <laughs> it's Ge- about time. <laughs> <laughs> George Lucas has many projects he wants to do after he completes the Star Wars prequels. So this is an old response. Uh, one of those projects might be a sequel to Willow. If it were. Would it be based on one of the sequel books? That's him asking a question. In parentheses, he says, oh, no, now I'm asking the questions. And I, I hope the answer is no, because they have nothing to do with Willow. Um, I'm sorry this is a little vague, but I really don't have any more info. However, if I hear anything, you'll read it here first, which is also probably not true. But, you know, you'll hear it on Willow Watch first. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but but to, to make up for this lackluster Willow Watch, we're, we're going to read you a little something from the... Uh, Willow Sourcebook, which is a font of extreme knowledge uh, from from the worlds of Willow. Doug's going to regale us with one of the many tales of young Sorsha.
2: Yeah, this and- this book goes... Dude, this book seriously goes into a lot of in-depth background for all of them. If I were to read you all of Sorsha's stuff, it would take like maybe half an hour. Um, but instead, what I'm just going to read is, is just the beginning. This, this is just the beginning of uh, Sorsha's uh, section here, and uh, it's, it's just... So it starts with Sorsha, and then it falls into her first lesson. So here we go.
1: Yeah, they have, they're trying to divide it up as sort of like little, like little parables.
2: Yeah, yeah, like little uh, dioramas of, you know, whatever. Anyway, Sorsha's earliest memory is of happiness. The circumstances are vague. She remembers only a bearded face bearing an expression of sadness, the warmth of a lap. She believes the memory is of her father, but if so, it is her only memory of him. When Bathmorda abandoned Tirizlin and imprisoned its inhabitants in crystal and in time, she brought her child with her to Nokmar Castle. Sorsha's memory of happiness is important to her. There have been few enough such moments in her life. And here is her first lesson. On the day Sorsha turned five, Bathmorda gave her a test. The queen sat her child on the floor between a jeweled ceremonial dagger and an orb of pure crystal. Choose, said Baphmorda. The child looked at both, stood up unsteadily, and wobbled over to pick up the dagger. Wrong, 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 shouted Bafmorda, snatching away the weapon. Glitter and gold are for magpies, for the true magician, purity, and power. With a word, she called her crystal globe out into her outstretched hand. The sphere glowed brightly. Baphmorta told her, told her frightened daughter, You must do better to follow my path. He fastened both dagger and crystal over Sorcha's bed. Let this be a memento of your first lesson, said the mother. Knowing the queen's temper, no servant dared befriend the girl. Everywhere in Nokmar, Sorsha was treated like a princess, nowhere like a friend. In the giant castle, she had just one companion, a mangy kitchen tomcat with one lopping ear, a cat therefore known as Lop. Sorsha hoarded scraps from her meager dinners, fed them to Lop by hand, and even crept from her bed at night to visit Lop in the scullery. She guarded her secret from Bathmorta with a fearful zeal of any child hiding something from their parents. Meanwhile, her tests in magic continued. Purifications, chants, meditation, endless exercises, all with the same disappointing results. You are to be my aide, my successor, the heiress to my power, Sorsha, Bathmorta often said. You must do better. But Sorsha never did better. Affinity for magic is a rare gift and not always inherited. The girl cried herself to sleep almost every night and only lop lent a kind if drooping ear to her problems <laughs> i don't know how to i don't know how i'd get by without you lop she told the cat she had no idea that at that moment bathmortus stood over a rune-encrusted uh, cistern deep beneath the castle the queen saw sorsha and heard every word she said for her next test sorsha was led to a chamber that she had never seen before one with hot stone floors and a copper dome with exposed blackwood beams. Steam filled the room, lit from below by hidden flames. "'I have prepared a wand for you,' Vavmortis said pleasantly. "'Hold it so. Clear your mind, and speak these words,' the sorceress queen told Sorsha the incantation. Sorsha pointed the wand, spoke the words, and a blinding flash appeared at the wand's end. Smells of ooze and phosphorus filled the air.' As with a flare of white sparks, a ball, light, ball lightning leaped from the wand tip, straight forward to explode against the far wall. Sorsha gasped, but didn't drop the wand. Nothing to fear, said Bavmorda. Did you enjoy that? The girl caught her breath. Yes, she said surprised. At Bavmorda's instruction, she threw two more barrages. With the first, she stared in fascination, and with the second, she giggled. Well done, said her mother. You sharpen, uh, you sharpen your sense of greater forces. Now shut your eyes and try to feel every motion of the air of this chamber. Extend your awareness. See this, see this room in your mind from every angle, as a magician does. Sorcia stood quietly, eyes shut. Then she said, there's something else here, crawling along the dome wall. Good. You will help with the pest control in the castle, my dear. I had servants capture a few rats from the pantry and loose them in here. Point the wand and speak the words. Sorsha could see nothing through the billowing steam, yet she felt something. With a word, she fired a ball of lightning. And in the steam, a rat squealed loudly. You found it, cried Bathmorta. There are more. Try to sense another. After long moments, Sorsha turned and fired again. Another rat's squeal rose and broke off. She laughed, thinking this must be how magicians feel. Lives in their hands, going on until they speak a word. I can do anything I want, she thought. Thinking this, she heard a scratchy noise along the wall. And fired on the instant. The lightning shot through the steam, and she heard a hideous shriek, almost human in its sound. She would hear it in her nightmares for years. She ran to the sound. There on the floor lay the scorched remains of Lop the cat. Behind Sorsha, Vavmorta said quietly, You must have no one but me, no path to follow but mine. A long, silent moment. Then Sorsha screamed, You did this! Not at all. You held the wand. You will learn to do this to anyone at any time for any or no reason. That is the path of power. Tears in her eyes, Sorsha raised the wand and pointed it straight at Bethmorda. But the queen murmured a single word, and the wand flew out of her daughter's hand into her own. That too is good. The queen said in a brittle voice, "You do better." Now return to your bedchamber until the next test. Sorsha ran into her room, but not for long. When Queen Bethmorda returned to her own chambers that day. She found the ornamental dagger and the crystal sphere from over Sorsha's bed. The dagger had plunged straight through the sphere, shattering it. The weapon itself was bent, but not broken. Sorsha never again tried to learn anything about magic. So Beth Morta received her first lesson about Sorsha.
1: And that is why the Will of Source book is fucking amazing. (laughs) It's like,
2: (laughs) damn, man. Like, it just... Put, when, so when you watch, after you read this and you watch the movie, so much little stuff is put into context. You're like, there are years of hate building up to this. Like, I, it's, it's
1: yeah. freaking great. Yeah, like, like Sorcia and, and so many other aspects of, of Willow are so well informed by the work that they did in the story bible before they, they made the film. Like, it's cr- just crazy. So that's why we want very badly to unlock the secrets of Willow with Alan Varney. And uh, we will soon. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Uh, So, thus concludes Willow Watch. All right. So, Ghostbusters.
2: Yeah, I'm always ready to talk Ghostbusters, just like Star Wars.
1: We've been doing a thing behind the scenes for quite some time. Some of you know about it good and goddamn well, because you've been with us on the forums (laughs) for the past year. for, For so long now. Um, as you may or may not be aware, Doug is the game master for the Ghostbusters role-playing series we do on Nerdy Show, Ghostbusters Resurrection. And during the course of creating that game, he, he took the original 1986 role-playing system based on Ghostbusters and expanded it because it didn't have slime blowers. Yeah, it didn't have a lot of stuff. And, and there's so much more that was added after the, uh, vi- the video game, the official video game. Yeah, that, uh, yeah. The, 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 there just needed to be more. If you wanted to tell a modern Ghostbusters story then you need to you know have that equipment on hand
2: yeah but there was
1: nothing (laughs) like there's nothing out there for it so uh as a result doug created uh new equipment cards new rules and um a bunch of stuff that you know to to play the game and fans wanted to check that stuff out so we thought well okay we should do that but then to also to play the game people need a ghost die which is a a die with a special facing on it and also equipment cards and uh, we decided to take it to the next level and produce physical items of both those things in, in addition to releasing all the rules. So now the project is finally done. It's out there. If you go to GBRPG.com or nerdyshow.com slash GBRPG, you'll go to the Ghostbusters Roleplaying Hub, where if you ever had any curiosity whatsoever about being like you know playing a Ghostbusters Roleplaying game, what that might involve, how you could expand your previous game, or, uh, or you know how maybe in better terms how you could become a Ghostbuster. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, this is the place to go. We've got, it's all, it's all laid out, hopefully in a, in a simple way you can, you can follow. Uh, if you go to the how-to page, there's an introduction. Doug wrote all the stuff and, uh, and it's all laid out very clearly. Um,
2: or if you're just curious, you want to see what the heck this stuff even looks like because, right. you know, you don't, it is different from D&D, you know, with these uh, equipment cards and with the dice. It's, uh, it, can be, uh, it can be a little interesting
1: if you're into, into uh, tabletop games in general. It's a very streamlined system that's all about having fun. Very much so, yeah. And uh, we we love it, and the game's been out of print forever and ever and ever. The rule books have been online for years, so we wanted to kind of make a a one-stop hub for if anybody wanted to pick up the game Here's what they could do, and here's how they could like expand it so that it, it carries on the legacy of what Aykroyd and Ramis have created as of the video game. And yeah. and, and beyond that, even uh, Burnham and Shoning from the IDW book, because they, they've also made very ma- major contributions to what is in many ways the last bastion of the Ghostbusters canon.
2: Yeah, and uh, this is something we also want to keep expanding if there's interest for it, like uh, equipment that's not even invented yet, something that you may have seen in a one-off in one of the comics or anything like that Uh you know just let us know man give us some feedback we, we we're ready to expand this as we're far ready as you to guys want you <laughs> yeah we're ready to believe you for sure
1: <laughs> uh but yeah there there are there are plans to do more i guess we'll start with what we do have we created a deck of 50 cards it's enough cards for five players to play um you can download and print your own for free for free mm-hmm. um or because this is a this is a project of nothing but fan love and it took us Hundreds and hundreds of hours to put together. No kidding. Yeah. Um, you, if you want to get your hands on some physical stuff, you can throw some money our way, and we have both a starter kit, which is the pack of cards and the uh, the ghost dies, or the franchise kit, which is the cards, the dies, enough slime green d sixes to play a whole game, uh, a certificate with the name of your franchise on it. Each of them is uniquely numbered, and also printed personnel files, which is I've redesigned the player ID cards so that kind of looks like a tax form. But yeah. it's like really streamlined, really easy to use. And it,
2: it's weird how when you make it look like a tax form that's really boring, it actually is really useful. <laughs> it's actually very streamlined and makes and and is way easier on the eyes for that.
1: It's I like to think that it though it's inspired by a tax form, it is much easier to read than a oh, tax form. Oh, that is yes, that is very true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and and each of those forms are we we those are available for you to print out yourself on the site as well. But we've printed them out on high quality cardstock so they can survive multiple erasings uh probably a lifetime of erasings i'd like to think mm-hmm. um because i've tried it out and it unless you're really like rubbing like the the rawest of pinkest erasers you're not going to make a dent on this thing and even if you do it's still going to take a while and we've stamped each of them with a ghostbusters stamp that we've made so one on of each, a kind yep yeah each player card each personnel file stamped is by hand <laughs> yes artisanal hands have mm-hmm. stamped yeah so uh and the cards themselves the, the equipment cards As much a labor of love as as any single thing that happened, perhaps an equal labor of love to any other thing we did for this whole project. Um, Illustrations by the amazing Matt Tasm, who does the uh, episode art for Ghostbusters Resurrection. And uh, and then I I designed all the cards uh, to include Doug's new notes and and everything. And of course, include the new equipment. And uh, all that's available on the site right now. We we quietly launched it on uh, like midnight Friday. And, uh, there's already been a lot. And in fact, we yeah. already put in an order for more dice because we might run out yeah. soon.
2: That's crazy. Like within 24 hours, we knew, Oh, we better reorder some more because these are going real fast.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and it's just very, very exciting. We got to give a shout out to Russell Spickermeyer who, um, you, in addition to picking up the merchandise yourself, which is one form of contributing, you know, to the project, you can also donate directly because i mean that's raw money yeah (laughs) pure uncut unadulterated money so he did both and very generously and uh he said great job guys might we see a blank card template on the page what are you envisioning for modules so um one that's a very good idea russell and uh I think, I think it's safe to say that, you could, that, that a, uh, a blank card could be in the picture, yes. In the, in the,
2: ne- in the very near future, most yes. likely, yes. Uh,
1: and as far as modules, we have a ton of things that we have in mind for ways to expand uh, the Ghostbusters role-playing system. There's, there's, there's rules posted on the page... For items that don't have cards yet, we want to make a special equipment deck. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to do something called the Ghost of the Month Club. Yes. Uh, and then there's and that that could involve modules or maybe not, but basically, Doug, you got a lot of ideas. There's there is a lot of stuff we can
2: do that uh, just depending on uh, fan reactions. If you guys are interested, please just we I, I need to hear your voice to know if you're interested. Because if I if I don't hear anything, I'm gonna assume you just want the dice. You got the dice and you're done. But if you guys want more. Let us know because there are tons of things we can do.
1: Yeah. Uh If you go to the donations and gear page, you will. Um. If you go. If you go on the um, Ghostbusters role playing hub, like the GBRPG.com, you'll see a big donations thing. Click on that. There's a way that you can support the project. If you even if you just like the sound of it, and put in a little message as to what you're most interested in. Um. You can of course leave a message if you pick up any of the the starter kit or the franchise kit. Um. And then also of course there's a link on that page to the nerdy show forums where you can simply talk at us, which is always it's yeah. free and easy to yeah, do. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and there, there's, there's a lot of things we'd like to attempt. So long as we know that like, um, that we can afford the time to do it. Like we've already, we've already kind of overclocked ourselves on this. Believe yeah, me, fans yeah. have been waiting for this for a long time and it's been an endeavor. So I'm really excited that we're here and I'm really excited that everybody's as into it as they are. um, uh, so, I also would like to give a shout out to, let's say, the first, the first class of Ghostbusters franchises uh, through, through Nerdy Show, through Ghostbusters Resurrection. Mm-hmm. Welcome, please welcome, the Southern California Ghostbusters, oh, nice. the Inland Empire Ghostbusters, the Columbia Ghostbusters, the Alamo City Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters International Upper West Side, <laughs> <laughs> the Vermont Ghostbusters, and the Barren Prairie Busters nice nice
2: and uh the other thing that may be worth mentioning anyone who orders the franchise kit and you get a custom name we will consider you a canon branch for real for 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 ghostbuster resurrection yeah so in future seasons if we need to cross the country we can uh uh in 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 our universe we can reach out to those branches for help
1: i didn't know that yeah and uh there you go (laughs) that's awesome just, a, really just, awesome. just as well
2: just as a way that you know everyone feel like they're they're playing in the same universe this way if we ever do release modules with some of the uh guys that we faced that it will it will make more sense if we're all playing under the same roof
1: the uh second season of ghostbusters resurrection recently resolved but there's still the um uh, epilogue, the epilogue
2: and a uh, fan episode and uh we're even talking about uh some uh one-off episodes to help bridge the gap to season three and season three is in its early stages uh we want to make it happen, so let's, let's hope we can yeah. do that soon.
1: Keep, keep an eye on, uh, on our, all of our Ghostbusters pages to, uh, to find out where and when and how you can help, um, though a lot of that information's already out there, and hopefully you've just, you've just heard me say it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, what's left is the shout-outs for October so far. First of all, Kevin Weiss, on his Buck-A-Week campaign, has donated twice, and thank you so much, Kevin. And, uh, and then... Doug, I'm gonna need your help with this. So far, our only other contributors this month are Caitlin Kruger and her sibling Ethan Kruger, both of whom have started a double team attack of money <laughs> to, <laughs> to in an effort to bring back our Pokemon role-playing game, Pokeballs of Steelix. Was,
2: is this the order in which the money came in?
1: Yes. That is genius. I have to okay, that is really that's really that's really awesome.
2: So we'll read it in order of which the responses were sent in. <laughs> Uh, first off, Caitlyn said, To protect the world from low donations. Ethan says, To support our favorite nerdy stations. To denounce the evils of silent dice. To unleash our favorite trainer's vice. Caitlyn! Ethan! Team donate blast cash at the speed of light!
1: Now let our Steelix balls take flight! Meowth! That's right! <laughs> Thank you so much, guys. Nerds! That's, <laughs> that's gotta be one of the coolest things anyone's ever done with our support drive so like hats off to you that's beautiful and yeah the simple answer is with pokeballs of steelix we are working on it uh it's it's gonna come back and when it comes back it will be on a regular schedule that's the goal so you'll never be like when's it gonna come back is it even a thing anymore pokeballs is coming back uh we're working on it we're converting it to a new system and we're gonna have a new game master in the form of our community manager trench and uh it's gonna continue so we're gonna sign off before we go just want to remind you again if you want us to give a shout out to you on the show, if you want us to contribute to the network, be it Nerdy FM or uh, you know any of the other programming on here, if, if you if you like it, it takes money to run it. We have a certain amount we got to make a month uh, in order to fund all the costs. In fact, actually, next month it's going to be going up. Yeah, um, we uh, we've had we've increased the size of Nerdy FM and uh, that and a couple other things have. Uh, basically necessitated the boost in it. So we got to make $400 a month. Um, But it will allow us to bring you more original content. We're never going to raise it just because, just for fun. No, no. That's not how this works. It's it's all about, it's all about more. So we got to, we got to raise the rates and uh, and make sure Nerdy Show doesn't go in the hole and make sure we can continue to release content. Um, But we are developing the Nerdy Show Patreon, which uh, I I don't know, hopefully it's going to be out next month. So we'll have will be able to have kind of a new support structure altogether. Really clean, really easy. Yeah, and, and for those of you who do recurring donations, you'll be able to do recurring donations, um, and uh, just more ways that we can main. Well, if we can guarantee that Nerdy Show is um, you know in the green every single month, then we can continue on with bigger, better projects and uh, stream. and more frequently. Yeah, yeah. More Ghostbusters, more Lightning Dogs, more everything. And uh, it'll be structured, it'll be fun, so keep an eye on uh, the word about the Nerdy Show Patreon and when that's going to launch. And I also want to say, of course, uh, like I mentioned earlier in the episode, any uh, Amazon purchases you make all also fund the store. If you do that through our support links, uh, nerdyshow.com slash Amazon, or you follow any of the links on this episode's page, they've all been keyed so that they will go through. You'll be entering Amazon through Nerdy Show, and anything you buy there, even if it's not what we've linked to, As long as it's through that session, you will uh, fund the show. Uh, I got to give a shout out to Nathaniel Craft, who recently did this. And also, um, I I was uh, assisted in in discovering something, which is that if you have items in your cart that you've placed in your cart already, they will not key as going towards Nerdy Show. So you need to make sure that everything you enter in your, everything you want to support Nerdy Show with by purchasing needs to have been added into your cart via the nerdy show link otherwise it will not work lots of nuances to it but uh otherwise it's pretty straightforward basically you want to buy something on amazon want to contribute to the show instead of going to amazon.com go to nerdyshowcom slash amazon and uh follow the links and so on or you could probably even bookmark the nerdy show specific link that's Maybe, probably a yeah, thing yeah so and for all of you who've been contributing we've seen it come in it's doing a great job of adding to more like it doesn't it's not a lot because I mean, no partnered affiliate things are a lot, right? Right. But it's all about if you—if all you guys purchase your stuff through Amazon, we're gonna have a lot more to play with, to structure, to do more projects, and so on. Yeah. And uh, that's gonna be apparent because we're all about you know growing this thing out and doing more projects. The projects you guys love. We don't want Pokeballs to be on the shelf. Fuck that. No, we want Pokeballs now because you want Pokeballs now. We want Lightning Dogs now because you want Lightning Dogs now. I want Lightning Dogs now. <laughs> well, yeah. We, 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 we all want Lightning Dogs now. So uh, so basically, we're, we're coming up with, with all kinds of different ways to make that happen and make sure that we're, that we're just, you know, it's all about us doing cool projects that you want to see and, and so on and so forth. So keep letting us know yeah. what you want. We'll that's, get it to you. That's the name of the game. Uh, if you got any comments in this episode, let us know. Let us know what your thoughts are on an Obi Wan movie. And uh, I think that's I think that's about it. For also,
2: us. if you find any Willow fan fiction, yeah, we're still we looking need for that Willow yeah. fan fiction. Uh, Doug, do you have any
1: shitty Star Wars jokes for us uh, to close yes. out?
2: Yeah, I have one. Um, I'd hate to break that tradition. It's
1: such a good tradition. No,
2: yeah, I got I had a couple saved up for rainy day. I might I might do my long one now.
1: Uh, we, we even had whole Microsoft suggested because of these shitty Star Wars jokes. <laughs>
2: This one's kind of lame, but it's also uh. So so Matt, mm-hmm. how many krillians does it take to change a glow panel? I don't know how
3: many krillians.
2: None. If the room's dark, you can't see them cheat at Sabak. <sighs> that was awful. Why? We got well. Come on, it's a joke. <laughs> come on, I got some good friends who are krillians. <laughs> I got, I got one more. This one's, uh, this one's uh, uh, the longer one. It's not just a simple Q&A, but it's Watto. So I, I'll have to try to put on the Watto voice or some of these lines. Visiting the city uh, uh, in Tatooine, it's uh, Bestine, I believe. Uh, Watto says you know, he's going to take in some of the local culture and he's uh, going to go to a Reek fight. You guys remember the Reek from Attack of the Clones?
1: Is that the mm-hmm. big, there, like, big thing with the horns?
2: Tiger thing? No, no, that's, no. A, that's a, uh, th- I'm talking about the thing that was with on like, the horn. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, so he goes to a reek fight and he's just like amazed because, you know, it's a huge spectacle. It's a huge arena. You know, a human comes out, taunts the reek by waving the red cape. You know, you get the idea. Um,
1: right. So, I've never seen that before on Earth.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the reek comes by and he, you know, he stomps on me, charges the man, you know, and dodges left, right. It's a ferocious, it's a big fight. And, uh, you know, so the, you know, the reek fight, you know, concludes. And afterwards, uh, Wada goes to a nearby restaurant. Uh, he's going to get some dinner. So um, he sits down and he sees a waiter, he carries an entree past, past, ta- past Wado's table, and he takes it to a table that's like really close nearby, and this meal looks really delicious, it's like these two enormous mounds of meat covered in this like, really special looking sauce, served on this really large platter, and it just sizzles, like you know like a really big fajita, just, as he takes it across the room, and the aroma just, it smells amazing, this looks so delicious, so Wado then says, waiter and he said uh, uh, i know what i'll be having uh, i want that dish and then the waiter's like well i'm sorry sir uh but you know we're all out of that t-. how can that be the, my, my money is just as good as that man's and he says no 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 you don't, you don't understand this entree is a really rare delicacy it's uh, and he like kind of lowers his voice like it's it's the testicles of the reek you know it's from the reek fight that was slaughtered earlier today in the reek fight you know well uh because it's so rare uh we can only serve it once a month after the reek fight and we can only serve it to one customer at a time. And he says, uh, so when will I be able to taste this delicacy? And he says, well, sir, you got to come back. You know, it, it's, you know, first come, first serve. You're going to have to come back after every reek fight. And even then, we can't guarantee it, but there is a waiting list, and if you really want, we can add you to the waiting list. He goes, yes, yes, add me to the waiting list. And so he says, okay, okay. So the waiter goes off, and he adds him to the list as promised. So Wado starts coming back after each reek fight. You know, once a month, he comes back, Same same deal. He comes back, it's not on the list. No, 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 it's it's no no, it's someone else is ahead of you, this, this, and he it's month after month after month. Finally, after all this time that several months go by, and he sees someone eat this delicious meal every single time. Every single month he comes there. Someone else is eating it, and he has to watch them eat it from afar. Finally, the day arrives, he gets there, and uh he's been told the good news. He it's his turn. His name is up, he's gonna get the meal. He's like, oh finally. So the waiter heads off into the back. You know, Waddle sits down at his table and he's getting like his napkin out and he tucks it in. He's really ready to go. But then uh uh he starts to smell the smell. So he knows the food's coming. The waiter brings out, you know, the dish, but it's covered this time. It's on a much smaller plate. And he brings it, he sits down in front of Watto, and he lifts it up, lifts up the top of the plate there, and instead and Watto doesn't believe what he's seeing because instead of the two large pieces of meat, it's just like tiny, just two really small tiny lumps on it instead. And Wado, he loses his shit. He's like, What is going on here? I come here for months and months and these all this humongous. What? What? ones on the plate is so small? <laughs> he says, "Oh, well, the waiter, sir, sir. He goes, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but just, the, just that's the nature of the Reek fight. Sometimes the Reek, well, he went. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's more fan fiction uh, than a joke. Yeah. So there you go. That's the joke. That's a spin on a very old joke about a, about a bullfighter, but I'm sure you can see, see the parallels here of how that works out. So there you go. That's Watto, Watto and the reek fight. Wow. What a bizarre way to end this episode
1: of state of the empire. <laughs> Thank you so Ooh. much for listening. <laughs> Bye. I'm cap. Bye. I'm Doug. Bye. I'm Matt taking this out. We got a track off the Kirby crackle record just came out in July called Sounds Like You. This is a track called Moisture Farm. See you next time.
0: I got a job at my uncle's moisture farm. I got a job at my uncle's moisture farm. And I just harvest that shit up. Harvest that shit up. I just harvest that shit up. Harvest that shit up. found out Vader was my dad. He took my hand. That was
1: Oh, hey, you made it to the end of the episode. Well, I've got some sexy secret things to tell you. Uh, not really too secret. I do say them at the end of every episode. But if you liked what you heard, it is imperative that you follow my every word. First, I want to thank you for listening to Nerdy Show. As listener-supported entertainment, we rely on you to keep this and other shows in the Nerdy Show Network alive by telling a friend, rating and reviewing us on iTunes, shopping at nerdyshow.com store, or, most importantly, by directly donating to the network. Any size contribution gets you exclusive Nerdy Show outtakes, dramatic readings, images, and other crazy stuff and lets you participate in our monthly support drives. Just go to nerdyshow.com support to chip in. But if you really want to level up, find out how you or your company can underwrite this or other Nerdy Show programming. Just visit nerdyshow.com sponsorships. For more episodes of Nerdy Show, as well as other fine programs, community forums, videos, articles, and more, head over to nerdyshow.com. You can subscribe to all Nerdy Show podcasts via the iTunes Store. And for the latest news, follow us on all your favorite social networks. So, to recap, tell a friend, donate to the show, and connect with the entire Nerdy Show Network crew online. We're glad to be your home for authentic nerdy entertainment.
4: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things.